You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. All right, before we have a word of prayer, let's go ahead and read through this. We're going to read 1 John. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 1. We're going to read verse 1. 1 through verse 4. Let's look at that. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 4. And it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning that we can come together here, Lord, and just thank you for the word of God and how it is sharper than any two-edged sword, Father, and how it just speaks into our lives, how we have all these truths written therein, Lord, to give us confidence in this life. We just thank you so much for your word. I pray pray that as I speak forth the verses and the thoughts that you've given me today, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of your people and challenge us in the areas, Lord, that we need to be challenged in to make us more like Christ. We just pray that in your precious holy name. Amen. One thing, I like this pulpit, but one thing I don't like is I can't fit my Bible and my, and my tablet on this pulpit at one time, but both one of them or one of the other has fallen off here. Okay, so last week, the, the, our mini-series that we're doing is called Confident Christian Living. Confident Christian Living. And um, today we're going to be talking about confidence through fellowship. Confidence through fellowship is going to be today, and then it's going to be the next lesson that I teach. I won't be teaching next week, because next week is the cantata and just warming up for that in practice I won't be teaching next week so it'll be the week after next week that we will come back to this and finish this confidence through fellowship but last week we talked about the overwhelming emotion that is felt in the world today is the emotion of uncertainty the emotion of uncertainty and if there's one thing that will always remain true is that this life will be filled with uncertainties all throughout This life will be filled with uncertainties. And we see that as we look around. Um, We talked about the uncertainty of politics and the political climate and where we see our country headed right now for the future. Just the uncertainty that surrounds that. We talked about the uncertainty that surrounds the virus. Even Pastor mentioned that today. You know, all these measures that have been put in place to keep people from getting the virus. All all, All these suggestions from all these experts and all these different things that are supposed to keep us safe. Well... It seems like a lot, none of them are working. None of them are doing what everyone says they're supposed to do, you know? So all the uncertainties that even surround the virus, I mean, these are two things that we mentioned last week because these are ones that affect all of us. And, you know, especially when it comes to this virus, this, is, this isn't just America. This is the whole world, right? So the whole world is in this state of uncertainty. What is going to happen? Nobody, this, this, all this information changes from day to day, you know? But besides the virus, there's, 
if, if, we were to, if I were to give a pen and paper to everybody, we could fill out a couple pages of just all the uncertainties that we have in life. Just there's so many things that we just can't know. This life is filled with uncertainties. It's just something that we have to deal with are the uncertainties of life. But during this time of uncertainties and during all the other uncertainties that we face in this life, there are some things that the Bible tells us that we can have confidence in. Praise the Lord. Our greatest tool to fight the uncertainties of this life is the confidence that we can have in God and his word, but not just that. It's not just having God in his word, it's applying his word, right? So if we're not applying his word to our lives, we're not going to have that confidence. We can't just believe that God exists and read the words of the Bible and not apply them to our lives and then be filled with that confidence. No, it's, we have to obey the words of God, right? We have to follow the plan that he's laid out for us in his scripture. The life-changing truth of God's word isn't going to do much unless we get into it every single day, make it a part of our daily routine, and allow that to purify out all the other uncertainties that we have in life as we place our, as we place our confidence in the Lord for the day ahead. And, that, you know, this is just one of the reasons why I felt, you know, just with all the uncertainties going around today, it's why I felt the Lord leading us to talk about what we can place our confidence in as believers, those things that we have confidence in, that we can place those confidence in. So we talked about last week, we talked about the very first step or the most important step, which is being able to place our confidence in our eternal security. Because if you can't be confident about your eternal security, there's nothing else you can be confident about. So the very first step and the most important thing is being confident where you will spend eternity. And we saw that Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Anything that we have in this life can be taken away from us at an instant. We just don't know. There's just so many things that we can't be sure of and we can't place our confidence in. There's so many things that we don't have. We just don't have control over. We want to control these things, but we just absolutely can't. There's so many things that are out completely and totally out of our control. But there's one thing that is within our control, and that is our decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and trust in him for our eternal security. And that is what we talked about last week. And I hope, I trust, and in Sunday school crowd, we have all done that today. And if we haven't, there's no time like the present. Let's make that decision today. So that brings us to this week. This week, I want to talk about another thing that we can place our confidence in, is that I, and as I have already mentioned, that is the fellowship that we can have with God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is 1 John, and John was the human author of five different books of the New Testament. So John wrote the Gospel of John, he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he wrote First, second, third John, then he wrote the book of Revelation. So five different books of the New Testament John wrote. And what's super cool about the books that John wrote is as you take this journey through the books that John wrote, you know, John, first, second, third John, and Revelation, we have the, we have the gospel of John, which deals with our past. 
which is our salvation. Clearly, because it's called the Gospel of John. So we have the Gospel of John, which deals with our past, which is salvation. Then we have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which deal with, for us as believers, our present, right? 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which as we read through, we see how we can have confidence in the Word of God. So we have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which deals with our present, where we get our confidence for this Christian life. And then we have Revelation, which deals with our what? Our future. So as you, as you take this journey through the books that John wrote, he, he kind of deals with the past, the present, and the future in all these books. So I just thought that was really cool. I, I realized that this, this week as I was doing my study. So that's just really cool. But John covers pretty much all the, all the, basis, all the bases in his writings, past, present, and future. I believe one of the great reasons the Apostle of John exhibited such confidence is because of his abiding fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was John who said, Little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence, confidence, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. We too can have that confidence just as John had. Amen? Praise the Lord. We too can have that confidence. Let's look again at what John said in verses 3 and 4 of 1 John there. It says, That which was seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So John tells us that we can have fellowship with God and his Son, Jesus Christ, and it is our confidence in that fellowship by which we have fullness of joy. So let me ask you, how is your joy level today? Are you low on the joy scale? Are you high on the joy scale? Well, the fact of the matter is, if you are in fellowship, in true fellowship with the Lord, you are going to be in true fullness of joy. When we lose our joy, it is because we have lost that fellowship with the Lord. Because God wants us to be joyful, as we see from the scriptures, all the time. And, right, and, and John says, listen, God has given us this opportunity to fellowship with him so that our joy can be full. We can have fullness of joy in that fellowship with the Lord. <clears throat> so, if you are struggling with your joy today, see why your fellowship with the Lord is struggling, repair that, and you will regain that fullness of joy. Now, John knew... John knew what it was to have fellowship with the Lord. It's John's gospel where we see that he gives himself the title, the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple whom Jesus loved. And in the same verse that John gives himself this title, we see that he is laying on the bosom of Christ. This shows the close, intimate relationship and fellowship that he had with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, let's see, John 21, 20 says, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he? And said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Now this verse is pointing back to a previous verse or a previous time that John wrote about, which is the Last Supper in that time in the upper room. And that verse is found in John 13, 23, where John writes, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Again, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. What is interesting about these verses is, if you look up that phrase, leaning on Jesus' bosom, if you look up that phrase, the translation from, from, from the Greek is the word kolpos. 
Kolpos. That phrase is translated from the word kolpos, which means close to the heart. Isn't that cool? Close to the heart. Being close to the heart of God is the very essence of what it is to have fellowship with the Lord. Being close to the heart. This is actually even the same phrase that John used to describe the relationship between Jesus and his Father. And that is found for us in, let's see here. Oh, this is what he said. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So it's the same word that he used to describe the relationship between Jesus and his Father. That closeness of that fellowship being near to the heart of God. <clears throat> so the words that John used to describe the closeness between Jesus and the Father are, as we see, are obviously the same. So we see, we see that John knew what it was to have fellowship with the Savior, with God. He had experienced this fellowship on a deep and intimate level and wanted his readers to know this same fellowship that he had experienced himself. So that's what we are going to look at. We are going to look at fellowship for the next couple weeks that I have in this month. And I want to ask seven questions as we look at this topic of fellowship. And I want to seek to answer these seven questions. So seven, the number of perfection. I didn't do that on purpose. That's just the way the Lord ended up working it out. So I trust that's from him. But these seven questions are, one, what is fellowship? Two, who are we to fellowship with? Three, who are we not to fellowship with? Four, how do we have fellowship with God? Five, how do we have fellowship with other believers? Six, why do we need fellowship? And seven, how does our fellowship with God and others give us confidence? So we're going to end on that one of having confidence through this fellowship. But first, let's get into this first one here, which is what is fellowship? The word fellowship is found 16 times in the Bible, and 14 of those times it is in the New Testament. 14 of those 16 times. <clears throat> 12 of those times, 12 of those 14 times, fellowship is translated from the Greek word kanonia, meaning partnership, participation, communication, and communion. Partnership, <clears throat> excuse me, partnership, participation, communication, and communion. I want to look at these different facets of fellowship to try to give us a, a greater and more full understanding of what it truly means. So first here, we have fellowship through partnership. Fellowship through partnership. Partnership is when two parties or individuals come together for the same purpose or goals and share in the efforts and benefits. Share being the key word there. Share in the efforts and benefits of accomplishing these goals, the efforts and benefits of this partnership. This is one reason why marriage is called a partnership, or it should be a partnership. It is not all about what the wife can do for the husband, right? And it's not all about what the husband can do for the wife, right? No, that's not a partnership. When one party is contributing, that's not a partnership. It is working together to help each other in an effort to care for each other, whether in sickness or health, richer for poor, better for worse, right? Our marriage vows, that's why we give those marriage vows, because we, they are coming together as partners, both to contribute to that relationship, to that partnership. 
we know that marriage is also a picture of Christ and what? The church. So this perfectly illustrates this as well. Marriage is also a picture of Christ and the church. Just as these principles of partnership apply to a husband and a wife, they also apply to Christ and his bride, which is the church, us as believers. Fellowship is not only about what you can get out of it. Okay? And fellowship is not only about what you can put into it. It involves both aspects, both giving and receiving. Both giving and receiving. <clears throat> if I am to have true fellowship with you, and you are to have true fellowship with me, both of us have to be giving and receiving mutual benefits in that relationship in order for there to be true fellowship. Give a little, get a little. Give a lot, give, get, get. Give a little, get a little, give a lot, get a lot. Bit of a tongue twister there. If you put little to no effort in fellowshipping with other people, you are going to get little to nothing back from that. If you put little to no effort into fellowshipping with God, you're going to get little to no, to no benefits back from that fellowship. You both mutually got to be contributing to that James 4, 8 says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you, right? A perfect illustration of that partnership. Both sides coming together in that partnership, uniting for the same purpose and goals. So fellowship through partnership. And then there's fellowship through participation. Fellowship through participation. Fellowship takes your participation. You cannot fellowship with the Lord or anyone else without participating in that act. So these are all kind of similar, but they all have their own unique attributes. So fellowship through participation. If you are not participating, it is not fellowship. Remember, it involves giving and receiving. Example. Let's say that you had someone over to your house and, you know, we've, we've all had people over to our houses. And we've had someone over to our house and for a time of fellowship and to just have a good time with them, fellowshipping in the Lord. But when they get over to your house, um, either you or them start talking as soon as they get in the door. Let's say they walk in the door and you're like, hey, brother, how's it going? Or, hey, sister, how you doing? And then you just keep talking and talking and talking and talking, and you never let them say anything the whole time they were there. And then they're leaving, and they're like, bye. And you're like, oh, it was so good to speak to you. <laughs> That's not fellowship, okay? That is, you, may have, you may have enjoyed that, but they did not enjoy it. So you may have had a good time talking, but they did not have a good time because you didn't let them say anything. So that's not fellowship because both sides have to be able to contribute to that fellowship, you know? I, I think all of us have probably been in conversations like that where we're, we're just kind of left like, man, I didn't even get to say anything. But that's, that's not what true fellowship is about. True fellowship is about both of you sharing together in that. And you have to let both sides participate. Okay, so that's fellowship through participation. All right, then we have fellowship through communication. Fellowship through communication. In order to have fellowship with another individual, there must be communication for that fellowship. Words and language are a gift from God, aren't they? They are a gift from God, a gift that he has given to us to fellowship with 
each other. Those are a gift of fellowship. God did not design us to have fellowship and communication with each other through symbols and signs, did he? No, no, not through symbols and signs. He gave us words. Although I must say that sometimes wives can be pretty good at those symbols and signs and not having to use words to communicate with their husbands. Let me, let me, you wives know what I'm talking about. And you husbands know what I'm talking about. I think wives got a special gift to communicate with their husbands through symbols and signs without having to use words. But that is not what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about fellowship. Fellowship involves actual communication between two people. Communication. Using those, that gift of words that God has given you. I think some of us have, now we're going to skip past that. Let's go, let's go on and go to the next one. Fellowship, we have, so we have fellowship through participation, communication, and then we have fellowship through communion. Fellowship through communion. This is the last one, and I think it really brings everything full circle here. Fellowship through communion. When you look up the word communion in Webster's Dictionary, the definition given is the word fellowship. That's the first word that they use to describe communion is fellowship. Also, the same Greek word, kanonia, translated fellowship in the New Testament is also translated communion in the New Testament. So clearly we see that the relationship between fellowship and communion are very, very similar. They're very closely connected, this fellowship and communion. The word communion is derived from the Latin word communo, meaning sharing in common. Sharing in common. So in order to have fellowship or to have or to have communion with someone, you must both have something that you share in common which brings you together, right? So have you ever had a conversation with somebody that you just don't have anything in common with? And you're trying to, you're trying to develop that fellowship and that communion, and then like every time you say something, it's just like, they're like, oh, no, I hate that. Oh, no, I don't agree with that. That's not how I see things. And then every time it's just like, bam, 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 you just keep getting shut down. Well, guess what? That's, you're not having fellowship with that person, you know, because you guys have nothing, you have nothing in common. You have to have something in common with somebody in order to have that fellowship with them. When it comes to fellowshipping with God and other believers, there is something that we all have in common, and that's God's Son, Jesus Christ, right? It is Jesus Christ. He is the one that bridges the gap between us and the Lord. He is the reason why we can have that fellowship. He connects us too. That is what we have in common. That's why we can connect to the Lord. You know, and the same thing is true with other believers. That's why we can fellowship with other believers. We all have that in common. Jesus Christ died for all of us, and he, all, he gave us all the great commission and his word of God. And so it's because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, it's because of the gospel that we all share that common bond. We can all share that fellowship and that communion. And it is because of Christ. And there's just something so special about the sweet fellowship that believers have together that the world just knows nothing about. And that's the sweet part of that fellowship is the person of Jesus Christ and how he connects all of us together in that unique, special way. His love 
for us translates into our love for each other and connects us because we all have that communion, that common bond. But without that common bond, without that communion, without that having that in common, you can't have fellowship. You've got to have something in common with the other person. That is a huge part of fellowship. Okay, so these four, these four things again are partnership, participation, communication, and communion. And, and, and there, there were some other things in there, but these were the main ones that bring this idea of fellowship together. All right, let's move on here. I can tell I am not going to get through all this today, which is not good. Okay, so to try and sum all of these up, fellowship is something that takes two or more with both sides contributing and participating with communication as a central part of sharing things that you have in common. Did you get that? I'm going to read that again. I put that all together myself. I was like, that's pretty good. But <laughs> so, to, 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 so to try... So fellowship is something that takes two or more with both sides contributing and participating with communication as a central part of sharing things that you both have in common. So to wrap it all up in, in, in one sentence there, there it is. All right. When considering the concept of our fellowship with other believers, I think Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 are good verses to wrap up this concept in our minds. And, and, it, and it says there, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching provoking each other to love and good works and exhorting one another more and more as the return of the Lord gets closer and closer and we can see that the return of the Lord is getting closer and closer, amen? That is true fellowship, doing these things for each other. We'll talk more about what it is to fellowship with other believers and with God um, probably on the next lesson that we have, not this week, because clearly I can see we're behind already. So we're gonna move to number two, which is who are we to have fellowship with? Who are we to have fellowship with? Look back at our text there in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which, are, which we have seen with our eyes, which, are, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So verse 3 here kind of covers all the bases. First John says that ye also may have fellowship with us, this is fellowship between believers. And then he goes on to say, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In these first three verses of 1 John, John is giving a personal testimony here, okay? He's giving a personal testimony of his experience with the Lord. After sharing his testimony, he says in verse 3 that he is sharing all of these things with them so that they can have fellowship together and more importantly, their fellowship with each other comes together because of their fellowship with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. We see 
We see where the early church fellowship together in Acts 2.42, and that says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. This is fellowship between believers and fellowship in breaking of bread and prayers. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son. This is fellowship with God. Fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the people, that the two groups of people that we're supposed to have fellowship with, well, I guess God's not a group of people, but the two, the two things the Bible tells us to have fellowship with are the group of people of believers and then the person of Jesus Christ, God himself, right? So those are the two things the Bible tells us we need to have fellowship with. All right, number three. Who are we not to have fellowship with? What is the Bible, who does the Bible tell us not to have fellowship with? So we just saw the Bible gave us two different List uh, two different things that we're supposed to have fellowship with, believers in God, and it also lists two different things that we're not supposed to have fellowship with. Two different groups that we're not supposed to have fellowship with. The first group of people that it lists is unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 15. And this isn't a new teaching to most of us or probably all of us. But 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 15 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord, concord means agreement, what agreement, what concord hath Christ with Belial or Satan? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? An infidel is an unbeliever. What part do you have with them? What, th these verses clearly tell us that fellowship between believers and unbelievers is incompatible. You know, as I was thinking of how of this incompatibility between fellowship between believers and unbelievers, I was thinking about trying to take a flathead screwdriver out with a, or trying to take a flathead screw out with a Phillips head screwdriver. You know, that's pretty incompatible. First of all, flathead screws are the worst worst invention ever in the history of this world. Whoever, I want to go back to the guy that created those and want to be like. Shame on you. This was bad. <laughs> but any of you that try to take out a flathead screw, you know what I'm saying. Those things strip out so easily, and you can barely get a flathead screw out with a flathead screwdriver, you know, let alone trying to take it out with a Phillips head screwdriver. That's not what it's designed for. They're not compatible, okay? Just like those aren't compatible, having fellowship with unbelievers is not compatible. It's not compatible for us to have true fellowship with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, and 15 point out three stark contrasts, contrasts here between believers and unbelievers. First, believers, righteousness. Unbelievers, unrighteousness. Believers, light. Unbelievers, darkness. Believers, Christ. Unbelievers, Belial or Satan. Paul compares these contrasts to animals that are unequally yoked together, which is a reference back to what the Lord told the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy 22.10. And, and, and God said all the way back in Deuteronomy, he said, thou shalt not plow an ox and an ass together. You can't do it, right? So, we, so if we... Ugh. All right, I'm going to try to finish this up real quick here and get you out just a couple minutes late. But if... We all probably know what a yoke is, right? It's that wooden beam that crosses from one animal to another animal to keep them connected together. And in the center of that wooden beam is a cross member that goes back to whatever those animals are hauling, whether it's a plow or a cart or a sled or, 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 or whatever they're hauling. Or they can, you can haul all kinds of different things. But 
The whole purpose of putting that on both of them together is so that they both work in unison together to pull that load, okay? So God is, God is comparing this to the relationship between believers and unbelievers. So why can't you pair two different animals together when they're trying to pull this heavy load, whatever that load is? Well, there's a couple different reasons that you can't pair two animals together. First of all, different animals are different sizes, right? Different animals are different sizes, so they're at, they're at different heights, first of all, which would not allow the yoke to work together in unison and allow them both to pull equally. So different animals are different sizes. Different animals have different strength levels, of course. Different animals are stronger than others. An ox is going to be stronger than, as Christ said, a donkey, right? So a, a, an ox is going to have way more power, and he's just going to be, he's going to be going along and pulling that, dragging that donkey on behind him, you know? So they're, they have different strength levels. Animals move in different patterns, right? They don't take the exact same patterns of steps. Some animals take short steps. Some animals take longer steps. So they don't move in the same patterns. What this causes is it causes them not to work together. They don't have that, that, that fellowship together in the way that they're pulling that heavy load. And that's the same way that it is between believers and unbelievers. That relationship, Paul compares to that yoke there. Fellowship with the world and worldly people can... Fellowship with the world and worldly people can cause injury to us as believers. That is one of the things that happens when you're unequally yoked up together. That yoke is sitting crooked or one animal's pulling the other animal behind and dragging that other animal behind us. And no, normally that's us as Christians just holding on to the world that the world takes us for a ride, you know? And we're getting drugged through the mud. We're getting all dirty. We're getting all scraped up. We're, we're getting all damaged by, the, by, by this world and, and the philosophies of this world. And it's just, it's causing us damage. You cannot be, you cannot have good friendships and good fellowship with the world without that bringing you some form of harm. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's, mental harm, sometimes it's spiritual harm, sometimes, sometimes it can even be physical harm. When you step outside of the will of God and you're, you're, do, you're, going, you're in a place he doesn't want you to be, he can cause you to even have some physical harm because you joined up with that person that God said you are not to be yoked up with, and that is the world. We are not to have fellowship with unbelievers. I have so much more here on just that one point, but we're already five minutes past. So... We're going to come back to this next week. The next, the next thing that the Bible tells us not to have, not to seek out fellowship with, is carnal believers. Not to seek out fellowship with carnal believers. So we'll have to, we'll have to get back into this, not next week, uh, two weeks from now, next week's the Katata. So in a couple weeks, we'll come back to this. We'll try to finish this up, and we'll try to wrap up this whole idea of fellowship, or at least what the Lord wants us to wrap up. And we'll see how far we can get, get in this. But let's go ahead and close out in a word of prayer. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening 
at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.